0: Kraft has all the right ideas for a delicious holiday. We're talking 80s holiday food trends. Hit it. the 1980s, John Lennon was assassinated, Cher won an Oscar for Moonstruck, He-Man was the hot new toy, and the holidays were filled with new dishes and desserts of all sorts. I'm your host Jerry D with another episode of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, we got it covered. Joining me is a Totally Rad Christmas all-star. You'll know him from the Christmas Food and Movies episode, Glenn Warren. Glenn, how's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me again. Well, thanks for coming back on. We still need to do a uh, part two of the uh, Christmas food and movies. So yes, hopefully uh, I'll get you come back, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks and we'll, you know, we'll get that hammered out as well.
1: Cause that was fun. That was, yeah, I had a great time.
0: <laughs> yeah. All sorts of, I, I love cartoon food because they always make it look so amazing. And so when we were in, talking about Garfield, it was, it was just perfect.
1: Yes. <laughs> I think that, like, like we said before, um, that was my favorite episode of the three that we talked about. Cause yeah. of course, you know, I love all the pies that mama used to make and or grandma, I should say, not mama. And uh <laughs> and uh the um the what four different types of potatoes.
0: Yeah, four different, yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot what they were what they all yeah. were, but they, they all looked great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Um so you know you're the host of Seasons Eatings, and um and I first of all I have to admit I love your show. It always gets me so hungry every time. Uh, so you're doing something amazing. <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: It's um, fun because I've I've always like I always know the the food that I'm familiar with because of my English and Irish heritage, and but I've been exposed to so many great meals researching different topics every month. Mm-hmm. So. I'm having a great time and hopefully people
0: are having a great time listening. So <laughs> well and uh, I know I am and I still I think my my favorite is still the uh, the cranberries the cranberry episode. That one was, was really good. <laughs> yeah. That was one of my
1: side dishes, which I hope I'll do that again for the burn months. Cause people seem to really like those episodes.
0: Yeah. They were, they were fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it just, it gets me, you know, it gets me not only in the holiday spirit, but it, it just, it makes me hungry. And so <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> that's, you. The, that's the best part. <laughs> um, but, you know, speaking of researching and, and talking, you know, food and, you know, all these, these um trends i suppose um you know what's your experience of cooking in the 80s well i i was a teenager
1: for most of the 80s yep i got gotcha. so a lot of my foods were convenience Yeah, I <laughs> understand. Were, if you've grown up if you grow up in the 80s um 80s was big on microwave meals yes uh, if you go through any cookbook, any magazine, food magazine of the decade, you find a section of easy microwave meals to make for the holidays <laughs> or, you know, um, you could still get those wonderful microwave TV dinners like I remember having the turkey turkey tv dinner Mm -hmm. with the gravy and the peas and carrots and the mashed potatoes that (laughs) look like mashed potatoes but kind of maybe more like mashed potatoes it's a little gluey there yeah Yeah. (laughs) and the little it was either cherry cobbler as a dessert or like a a, like a chocolate cake chocolate brownie cake so that was that was growing up in the 80s for me another trend that we my mom is the eldest of 12 kids. Wow. So I remember her one, one uh, Christmas in the eighties, she decided to invite all her siblings and their their families. That's huge. Yeah. A Christmas, uh, a Christmas dinner. It wasn't like Christmas day, Christmas dinner, but that time between Christmas and new years. Right. When everyone sort of has that week off and it's Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, you have some more free time than, yeah, there's more leeway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she invited, Everybody to the house and created this massive Christmas meal for the whole family. And there's a, you know, I, my brother, and my cousins and all this were running all around. And there's like adults upstairs uh, and and cooking everything, like a huge turkey and all the sides. And she said at the end of it, I'll never do that again. <laughs>
0: sounds about right <laughs> it was way too much work yes well but. that's oh i'm sorry go ahead no no go ahead i, I was just gonna say that's very similar because you know in in the 80s that's when most of the um um my aunts because my mom is the youngest uh, of six daughters okay and so you know it's only about half the size but you know we're they still each one had like five kids and so when they were all there, they were all still kind of in the area. They hadn't moved to like Houston and and yeah. you know, all over the place in Texas. Uh, and so when we were all there, we'd get together and we would have to like put tables out in the yard because we just there was no space in in the yeah. house. And you know everyone was sitting super close, kind of scrunched up. You know, there's no elbow room at all. Just around these tables, or you eat in shifts. Yeah, essentially, you know, it's like okay, get the kids out of the way first, you know. Yeah, (laughs) and it's one of those where I know they did it. um, At least it had to be at you know at least seven years in a row. Um, Wow, but. I remember there was like this one point where finally they were just like, okay, we, we can't do this anymore because yeah. preparing all this stuff, you know, and, and we would do the same. We'd have Turkey. Um, there usually for, for Christmas there, there would also be a ham. So Turkey and ham. And then of course, you know, as I mentioned, the last time we spoke, tamales, we're all, all over yeah. the place as well. So those are like the main, the main three. And then there was sometimes menudo and, uh, and things like that. Um, um of course we, my family didn't make it with the, um, uh, with the, the stomach lining uh, very much because, <laughs> you know, trike. the kids, the kids would uh, <laughs> rebel, <laughs> but uh, you know, the, it was kind of the same thing where it was just, it was a huge undertaking and they would start yeah. preparing certain things. Like you know, some of them, I think would even be prepared like a week before, like some of the, the condiment stuff that would keep um, they would start as early as they could, you know? Uh, yes. And you'd find these wrap
1: casseroles in the fridge And your mom would say, don't touch that. Don't touch that. That's
0: (laughs) that's exactly right. (laughs) I'm saving that for the dinner. (laughs) Like, but I'm hungry.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) My dad was the manager of a department store back in the eighties. Oh, nice. so he'd, he'd host like Christmas parties for the, you know, the upper management. So we'd have, you know, all the fancy big wigs as I thought they were back then. And, so you'd have sort of that sort of cocktail sort of party. Oh, yeah. Foods. So deviled eggs were always, always on the menu. Oh, yeah. I love deviled eggs. And for, for me, that's not that seems to be a I know it's not an 80s thing because deviled eggs have been around like since the 50s. Right. But. It's always sort of every time I picture a Christmas sort of cocktail party, there has to be deviled eggs. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. No, I, I completely understand. Uh, I mean, they've never been my favorite, um, but mostly because I kind of have a slight egg allergy. Okay. So, um, it, you know, it's like if it's not prepared in a certain way, it, it upsets my stomach. Um, so I try my best to stay away from eggs as much as I can, uh, which is hard. Yeah, <laughs> It's hard a lot of times. Uh, so many good foods have eggs in them. Uh, you know, but you do what you can, and so, um, but same thing. We always had deviled eggs, and mm-hmm. so because they were always there growing up, uh, you know, it counts for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, eighties
1: were a strange, a strange decade because you have sort of the culture of excess that sort of started. Yeah. So you have the power suits. You have all the sort of high end, as you talked about in your fashion industry. You have in your fashion episode. You have all the sort of women getting into the men's roles with the power suits mm-hmm. and um you want to have that sort of reflected in the food so right. you have sort of specialty food like asparagus and stuff like that which not special now but it was just it was really like really interesting to have asparagus wrapped in ham or or, or um uh a slice of melon wrapped in prosciutto prosciutto or yeah. uh what was the other thing? French cuisine was big because that was seemed to be um, sort of more fancy for American palates.
0: I gotcha. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, yeah. uh, especially I. I remember, um, you know, we, of course, like like I mentioned, we we mostly had Hispanic foods, but mm-hmm. you know, whenever it was time for like a big thing, and and especially as the decade progressed, I remember um, they tried fancier and fancier like glazes on the ham you know like like a a pomegranate uh which you know i remember being like what is that i'd never seen a pomegranate before you know if it was like a pomegranate i think jalapeno glaze uh because of course you know you had to throw jalapenos in of course (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know it's like they they tried their best to to make it i guess different and something new and, and fancy and
1: I um, had the, the nouveau cuisine, which was like tiny, tiny portions for a lot of money. <laughs> you had like two two strips of carrot, a little piece of filet mignon that was barely like two inches wide. Oh, man. And like a smear of gravy on the plate. And that was like 40 bucks <laughs> oh, my at gosh. some fancy restaurant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then you got to go to Whataburger on your way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're going to Bonanza. That, oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Bonanza, and uh and i know we're that's an aside but i loved bonanza <laughs> that was like one of our like friday night staples like, oh yeah yeah so we well, you can eat salad bar what do you want <laughs> it's exactly it's a great right. deal. <laughs> i used to love their chicken fried steak it was so good but I, and i just i haven't found any quite as the same as that one you yeah it's just not quite as good but um but yeah I, you're right i did notice that and i i want to say that there was a lot of um Like that's when, when like more things like sushi or, uh, or um, was it Korean? No, not Korean, Vietnamese, maybe food that was really starting to come into play then. Uh, I know the sushi was a big thing in the
1: eighties. I think, I'm not sure why. I don't don't know if it was because of easier refrigeration techniques and having the fresh fish shipped so fast across, you know, across the country. So. But um, yeah, I'm not sure about the other. Is it Thai or Vietnamese? I'm, 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 I couldn't say.
0: No, no. I'm just. I, I remember reading it. I, I should have uh, written it down. But it was, it was something I read like a few months ago, and I thought, oh, I got to remember yeah. that. And <laughs> of course, you know, months later, and I didn't remember. But oh well. But I, if you do go to any sort of holiday party, mm-hmm. there was
1: always that uh, bread bowl filled with spinach dip. Yes, that's I love- a big '80s thing for me too
0: i loved the bread bowls those are good <laughs> or uh um not necessarily spinach but also just like a cheese dip of some sort yes as well yeah, yeah. or artichoke or artichoke yeah, that's right yeah <laughs> which are a uh, band those are i still love a good bread bowl <laughs> <laughs> i, I a do nickel bread bowl <laughs> usually like pumpernickel or something <laughs> yeah sourdough yeah or sa- yeah that's right yeah um Yeah. Nowadays, um, I think the last time I had a bread bowl, it's got to be years now, but I think it it was uh, some sort of soup. Like, I think I want to say it was like a like a potato soup or something that was in there. Yeah. You want something hearty Mm -hmm. because it's got to it's got to be able to stand up to it. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you and you don't want something to run and soak up all the all the bread Mm -hmm. and then kind of disappear into the bowl. So you want either a nice hearty cream soup like potato or vichyssoise, or, or um, a chili. Oh, I bet
0: that's really good. In a, yeah. I've never had a chili in a bread bowl, which is surprising because I'm from Texas. Uh, <laughs> but, but that sounds really good. But I was reading that uh, the Lipton Soup Company
1: back mm-hmm. in the 1950s, they started creating all these sort of convenience soup packets, the dried soup packets. Right. So you just add water. You got instant onion soup or chicken soup or whatever. Right. And so they were trying to find ways to market their soup packets to obviously increase their sales. Right. And someone came up with this. Let's put uh, the soup, the onion soup mix with some sour cream and some cooked spinach and a few other ingredients. Stick it in a bowl.
0: And there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, it, uh, can you say genius? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it, it's funny how a lot of these things kind of came about just from marketing, you know, they, they oh, wanted yeah. to sell their stuff. And so you have to come up with a way to do it. Um, one thing that I was reading that, that I noticed was that, um, there was like a trend, a push for like, like salmon, I, and like there was a yes salmon-filled pasta, or or just a salmon by itself, or um, some sort of like pate, or you know all sorts of just just salmon products. Which, I mean, that seems odd to me. Maybe I mean I know in Italy on on Christmas Eve they have you know the the feast of seven fishes or you know, something like that. But I mean I, it's just it, here in the U.S. I, I'm not so at least in my part of the world I'm not so familiar with you know like salmon and fish in general on Christmas. I, I agree with
1: you. I think it was it was partly a marketing scheme, but I also think it may have been due to the increase of um farming salmon. Hmm. And so it became easier to grow the salmon in little fish farms, mm-hmm. and therefore they have to find a way to get people to eat it. And so yeah, makes sense. You, you create salmon pate, you create salmon in a mold, you put salmon in little um puff pastries and you know that that was a big thing those little puff pastries they're called volavant which is which is a, a breath of air or breath of wind Ooh. so you know it's basically a layered puff pastry oh okay and you bake it and it expands in the oven and then it has a little sort of indent in the middle so you can fill it with whatever and that was always when i was just when I was researching this as well, it was always sort of a big thing for parties to do those little and fill them with uh, a salmon pate or like um, uh liver pate or like a, even like a, a very thick sort of chicken stew. Hmm. So, and they're only bite sized They're only like one or two piece or bites. So they're perfect for cocktail parties.
0: How do you, I mean, like, what is a pate or like, like how do you produce pate? Or make it because uh, it's like, isn't it? It's like a moose, right?
1: Like, yes. But pate originally pate is made. Uh, f- the big thing in the 80s was the goose liver pate. Gotcha. And unfortunately, it's not a very pleasant thing for the goose because in order for the liver to be sort of soft and succulent, the goose has to be force fed, uh, and the liver expands to almost over twice the, the original size of yikes. the goose. And so after the goose is killed, the liver then gets processed, um, cooked, and then pureed. And, you know, salt and a few other spices are added. And that's all it is. But it, oh. unfortunately, it's not a very... A lot of people don't eat pate because of the inhumane way it was originally made. Gotcha. Um, but... I think liverwurst I've, is similar to pate.
0: Oh, okay, okay, so that makes sense. I yeah, mean, I
1: like a liverwurst on a cracker.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and um, I remember going to to parties and and seeing, um, you know, not just liverwurst, but you know, some sort of pate on on a little cracker or something. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, I, pate is just a cooked a cooked
1: protein that's been pureed.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> so I guess it's kind of like baby food, I suppose.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, adult baby food,
0: <laughs> but fancier. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's some like so looking into this, there were some really interesting trends uh, that I noticed, and and one of them, I, it's kind of like a sandwich loaf, I suppose, like like a party loaf. Uh, And basically it was like like Just multi-layered sandwiches And then the whole thing would be like covered in like Cream cheese Or or something like that And they'd usually decorate it on the top It was Strange looking (laughs) 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 I don't I, I don't remember seeing too many of these uh again no. in my neck of the woods it's you know there's we're we're pretty traditional with uh you know menudo and tamales and stuff so i i saw a couple but i you know it was still kind of strange growing up and i i never had one i, I was never courageous enough to try one but it it's it was just it was odd looking yeah i've never seen that before that must be an american thing <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, from we do we do have strange foods here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> One thing I do remember, though, is the seven-layer dip.
0: Yeah, I remember that, too. Now, so, that I liked.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, I totally love that. Layers of uh, guacamole and sour cream and refried beans and top with like, fresh tomatoes and cheese. Uh, from what I read, it was originally called uh, Fiesta Dip, and it originated in Texas. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. So you'd have sort of all these ingredients in a big pan, but they weren't layered. They were just kind of mixed in. Oh, okay. So you'd have the, you know, fresh tomatoes and guacamole and, and, uh, and bean, refried beans and everything kind of just smooshed together. And then someone to. just made it look pretty by putting them in separate layers <laughs> in a big bowl.
0: You got to sell it. Exactly. <laughs> it's all about marketing, like we said. <laughs> um did you guys have that a lot
1: yes but we weren't that fancy to make it ourselves we just bought it in the store
0: Oh, i got gotcha. to okay <laughs> you
1: know luckily the convenience foods you could buy i don't even know if it, it was originally like if you obviously counted the layers if it was actual seven layers <laughs> i never counted but, no it was it was mostly like three quarters refried beans with a thin layer of sour cream and a thin layer of guacamole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cause that's cheap to make. I remember, uh, I remember my mom making it a couple of times, but yeah. I, I don't recall how many layers there were, <laughs> but, uh, but I do remember, uh, you know, cause she would make the, she would make the guacamole and uh, I want to say they would top it with salsa as well. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like fresh salsa right yeah like like a pico de gallo, almost or something right. uh just to put it on top and then of course cheese and all that um so it was, it was i guess her own little tex-mex variation on it that kind of a thing yeah because that if from what i read it started in 1981
1: in family circle magazine oh wow and of course it was a it was a thinly veiled ad for hidden valley ranch salad dressing <laughs> Of course, <laughs> of course, it was yeah. yeah. So they had the little dried packets of Hidden Valley Ranch you can mix in
0: to your sour cream and make this Tex-Mex dip. <laughs> it's funny because uh, I, there's so many recipes out there with uh, that call for those little Hidden Valley Ranch packets. <laughs> I know they're they're indispensable. Yeah, yeah, we we use them quite a bit. <laughs> i my, i think my
1: go-to is the the instant um onion soup mix mm. so i put that That's in a, a lot too, of yeah. stuff that goes in stews that goes in even goes into my beef stroganoff which again was an 80s type of thing
0: i hamburger helper was pretty huge yeah <laughs> <laughs> i you know when you had the little guy with the, the hand it was like a glove or something yeah yeah. You know. I used to love that, and uh, my daughter still loves stroganoff. That's like something that we still make. And uh, while I'm not as adventurous to try making it from scratch, uh, the you know the hamburger helpers definitely helps.
1: Yes. Well, what one thing about keeping the kids uh, occupied? One that I remember having um, sloppy joes.
0: Oh yeah. So yes, I were, love sloppy joes. Or as
1: as one commercial says, a sandwich. <laughs> manwich yeah
0: that's well uh, that was the brand wasn't it manwich yeah that was yeah. the brand Man okay. manwich
1: manwich brand sloppy joes uh but i always i love them because they were super easy and my parents you know my mom would just fry up some ground beef a mm-hmm. can of a can of uh sloppy joe mix the manwich mix right. and just slap it on
0: a bun and you're done kids are happy <laughs> yeah, and I remember having that uh, a couple of like, like um, on the lead up to Christmas. I mean, of course, Christmas Day was always you know, yeah, turkey and ham. But <laughs> but I remember there was some nights where it was like we would just have that um, you know after uh, like las, las posadas and the, and the adults are having like posole and all these you know mm-hmm. fancier stuff, and uh, and we didn't want it, so <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was sloppy joes. <laughs> Uh, I make one now, um, I use like some Campbell's uh, tomato soup, like, okay. like about uh, like two thirds of a can. And then I use some salsa in there and some brown sugar. Nice. And, and then that with all the, you know, with the beef, of course. And so that kind of gives it like a little tang. And but it's it's pretty good. It's like a salsa sloppy Joe, I guess. And there so, you go. See, so you put your own spin on it. That's Yeah, <laughs> it kind of works. Like, I don't know. But <laughs> Throw in some grated cheese and you're done but yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah um i used to like putting um like a slaw or something on on top usually like some sort of cabbage and you know broccoli slaw on top but uh nice. with the salsa one it doesn't quite work as well but the <laughs> manwich one it did <laughs> yeah there was there was a lot of um interesting things that i noticed uh, so i i I looked up i had this craft recipe guide from a 1986 tv guide which i thought also was was kind of fun um and there was um like a cappuccino cheesecake which i really wanted to try (laughs) that that sounded really really good uh but there was like uh, of course the sandwiches the festive sandwiches that was like you know with with uh, uh red peppers and you'd cut it you know you'd um Gosh, what's it called when you, when you, uh, you get the rings out of it. It's not Julianne. That's the long strips. Uh, you know, we're, we're cutting the rings as cutting the pepper, like a ring. Yeah. Cutting the peppers so that, so you have like rings. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what it's called, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so there, there was that, uh, you know, red pepper, green pepper, you'd have, uh, like, uh, radishes in there. Uh, I mean, they were like, they were trying to make it like as fancy, I suppose, as they could and, or as, as hearty. Um, which is funny because I remember like lots of junk food coming out in the eighties, you know, like all sorts of, you know, like all sorts of junk food. And yet at the same time, I remember like, like health spas and like aerobics and all that thing were like all the rage too. So there was like, like, like two, two different routes you could go, I suppose. Well, that's, that's (laughs) the
1: thing. I mean, the, the, everyone was obsessed with low calorie, this low calorie, that when you're an adult, but right. as a kid, you, you were bombarded with all these great cereals and fruit grow. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, all these great sort of eighties foods. Um, uh, what do they call them? Push pops. Oh yeah. You know, you had three different awesome. flavors and so you push up one flavor and you finish that off or, or I would anyway, and then you go to the next one. <laughs> yes. I wouldn't mix the, the flavors cause I'm kind of,
0: strange that way. <laughs> <laughs> I remember push pops. Those are awesome. Uh, they, we kind of have some for the kids where, you know, cause, cause they're like in those, those rolls that look like toilet paper rolls. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't, I, I'm sure there's a better name for it, but I mean, that's like the best way I can describe it. And, uh, the kids have some and, and they still love them. They, they want, you know, of course I think the, the, kind we have only has like one flavor in it. Yeah. Which is kind of a shame. Um because you know I, the best part of that was like getting all the different flavors, experiencing mm-hmm. it all. And so that was kind of a that was kind of a bummer. But the kids like the orange and so that uh I, that's the one that they kind of go to in general. Um well
1: okay a little history of back in the 80s Ronald Reagan in the, in 81 deregulated the advertising industry. So okay. you had this explosion of cereals that had TV characters added to them or cartoon characters added to them. So you got the, you know, the um, Booberry cereal or the Smurf cereal or the Flintstone cereal because he changed all the rules dealing with children advertising to children. Mm-hmm. And so that. Back to your favorite TV show, GI Joe. Yes, <laughs> you had you watched GI Joe, and there'd be commercials in between the actual cartoon of GI Joe toy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and so GI hey, Joe Reagan. wouldn't say, <laughs> "What was it?" He wouldn't say, "Go fly in that helicopter." He'd say, "Go fly in that Nightwing helicopter, or whatever it was." Right. Yeah. It would never be generic. It'd always be a specific toy, because then you, as a kid, would go to your parents and say, "I want that Nightwing helicopter for Christmas," because <laughs> they're great marketing. Yes,
0: so you sold can me. me. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: It fooled all of us. So you can thank Ronald Reagan for bringing in the huge uh, selection of cereals for Christmas morning that would uh, confuse any child today <laughs> it's like why is there a blue ser- smurf cereal because there is
0: <laughs> yeah i uh it, it's it's funny because i remember i remember the smurfs one uh, <laughs> i remember i really loved the batman cereal when that one came out in 89 <laughs> for, for, for the batman tie-in and it's not like it's not like it was great it's just it Batman, you know. Yeah, so. it Batman. <laughs> it doesn't have to be great. I did like the Smurfs one. The Smurfs one was really good though. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean that makes sense. Uh I, I it's I guess good for companies. Uh, yeah, I mean Reagan. it was great for I, I for
1: toy companies. They had basically the run of the, the the run of the children's television programming on Saturday mornings. So yeah go from one toy commercial cartoon to another toy commercial cartoon every 30 minutes and that changed back in the after in the 90s so things got a little stricter regarding advertising to children right but yeah i can understand
0: why (laughs) the 80s are so great (laughs) uh i do recall um one thing that i saw once i only saw it one time and I wanted I wanted it so bad because it was pretty tasty, but it was a chocolate basket. And so I had to look it up um, because I'd never seen it ever again. Uh, and I remember it was specifically at a party that uh, one of my mom's co-workers threw. And so I went to to look up this chocolate basket and it's like an intense process to make this chocolate basket. Maybe that's why the only reason I saw it once, you know, um, because it, it was kind of a very involved process. So oh, a basket a, made of chocolate? A basket made of chocolate, yeah. Wow. That, okay. Apparently, that was like a a, a thing in the '80s, uh, which again, I'd, I'd never seen except that once. And so yeah. I went immediately to search for it, and and I was able to find like one recipe, but uh, you gotta like uh, cut like strips of foil, and then you gotta mold it, and yeah. and then you, you you pipe your chocolate uh, in your pattern. I mean it. It was like an intense process that took hours. And so, I mean, I can understand why when you're already doing all these other things that take hours, why you'd probably stay away from something like that. (laughs) That's the
1: thing about sort of those um, Christmas sort of family magazines. They try to make things look simple they're not <laughs> yeah <laughs> but as soon as you try to do it you realize that you need all these different tools to get it done yep or you need some ingredient that no that nobody else ever carried <laughs> yes. um, i mean tempering chocolate is finicky to begin with because i've yeah. done it and it's a pain because you have to have it at a certain temperature and if you don't have it at a certain temperature the chocolate doesn't temper the chocolate may snap right. or the chocolate may break Um, and so the oil separates from the cocoa and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden you just have a gloopy mess. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, and that's me as a professional who has, uh, thermometers and digital apparatus to actually do it. So Mm -hmm. doing it as a home cook is a real challenge. (laughs) I mean, yes, there are machines out there that they'll temper chocolate for you. Mm-hmm. But you didn't have those back in the 80s. No, definitely not. And, <laughs> you
0: and said- I, I mean, it could be my imagination because I, <laughs> I, um, like I could be you know, making it seem like it was something amazing. And it, and it could have looked terrible, honestly, you know, <laughs> like in, re- yeah. in reality, I just remember seeing a basket made of chocolate and thinking, wow, that's so cool. But, uh, you know, I mean. I I don't recall if how really the, the quality of the work of the chocolate, but yeah, but you're right. I mean, I, every time I've seen it on TV, uh, whenever the, you know, the, the chocolatier is doing all that. I mean, it's, it's usually, uh, I mean, it's, it's, a an intense process. So I can't even, I mean, I can't even imagine trying it myself. Like I wouldn't do it myself. (laughs) (laughs) I've done it a few times for school and I've done it for, um,
1: for a couple other uh projects, like I've made a box of chocolate, like box, a square box made of chocolate, mm-hmm. as like a, a like a fruit box. So it was probably about six six inches square, the sides. And so I tempered four rectangles of chocolate. Mm-hmm. And because it was the easiest way to do it to make a right. box instead of a basket. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> 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 and then stuck like, you know, fresh strawberries and stuff inside. Right. So, and that was enough of a stress for me to create just four rectangles of tempered chocolate.
0: So, well, and, and the, the, the recipe that I found, um, it calls for like, yeah, strawberries, uh, strawberry preserves, some orange liqueur, uh, and then, you know, whipped cream. And they'd kind of put that all together inside the basket. Yeah. Um, the one that I remember, I I, I want to say they just use like a cream cheese, something on it. Um, I mean, again, it's been decades. I don't really <laughs> remember it too much. I just remember it looking awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it probably did for about five minutes. For about, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're in, in
0: the South. Our Christmases are like 80 degrees still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we try. We, we do our best. Um the one thing that I always wanted that I never got was like a a Yule log. Uh, I always wanted, you know, one of oh those the jelly like roll cake, the jelly rolled. Yeah, I always okay. wanted one of those, and and I never got. uh, So that's kind of a, a bummer for me. You know, they're easy to make. <laughs> those well, are, are they... easier than chocolate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just one that I wish. uh, I wish one, you know, one of these days I'll do it. I'll try. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll attempt, but. So I was talking with a friend of mine and she was saying same thing that she usually had tamales, you know, ham and stuff on Christmas Eve. And then Christmas day was usually like a roast, uh, like either a roast or a Turkey, yeah. um, which I don't think I've ever had roast on Christmas day. At least that's not part of our tradition. Is that something that's done in uh, Canada? Actually uh, roast beef was a popular thing uh, in both
1: Canada and North America in the U S um, until about probably, I would say the last century. Oh, okay. Um, turkeys weren't really a big thing. Wild turkeys were, uh, around, obviously in the south, mm-hmm. but a lot of people didn't really eat them for for the holidays. It wasn't until they started um, importing turkeys from Britain. To farms into the U.S. Uh, I can't remember when, but it wasn't it wasn't very long ago. It was probably in the last century or so. Oh wow! That um, Turkey has become the sort of go-to bird, right, for for Christmas. So yeah, it was it was usually either a big uh, roast mm-hmm. for roast be- uh, meat, right, uh, beef or uh, fish. So. Mm.
0: Well, yeah, there's your salmon
1: <laughs>
0: yeah back to salmon back to salmon <laughs> except this time we're gonna stuff it in uh, in <laughs> pasta of some sort.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did I did an episode uh, of Turkey for my December um, episode of Season's eating. so it's been a while since I
0: remember all this information. Well, uh, one thing that I, I know we usually had growing up, um, and, and we still make it now, but we, we made it a lot more back in the day, was broccoli rice casserole. That was oh, like... yes, with cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, cheese whiz is what uh, my mom uses. <laughs> so it's definitely processed. <laughs> Again, stick that in the microwave for a minute. That's right. <laughs> Melt the cheese whiz down you yep. just pour it on <laughs> yeah, then just yeah, that's exactly right <laughs> yeah you know, all these like little conveniences and tricks uh and you're right i do recall a lot of like frozen microwave dinners which um seemed not quite i mean th- they're still not great now but i they're you know seemed like they were less quality back in the 80s <laughs> i don't know yeah i mean I the microwave know.
1: dinner started again in the 50s with the right. convenience of Coinciding with the television industry, so you mm-hmm. wanted something to watch or eat while you're watching television, and so right. Swanson's and Bird's Eye. Bird's Eye was the first company that started microwave dinners, if I remember correctly, because they they already had the market of frozen foods, right? Anyway, so they created this aluminum, like actual metal plate instead of, uh, you know, the tinfoil ones that we have now, or right. nowadays what they're plastic. Cause nobody puts a TV yeah, you, dinner in the oven anymore. Yeah, you don't
0: want <laughs> to microwave metal. Yeah. It's
1: all microwave now. So yeah. I mean, before we had the plastic containers, you had actual metal plates that people would put in the oven and take the tinfoil off the TV dinner. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hopefully not burn your face off with the steam and then enjoy in front of the TV. But the eighties brought forth the microwave TV dinner. So you had the convenience of, uh, all the Turkey and trimmings in what three to four minutes. In three minutes yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, if, especially if you can't cook very well, I mean, that's, that's amazing, you know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, they're, they're just not quite the same, but they got the job done. They got the job done and it fed a hungry kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, uh, so uh, speaking of, cause I remember, uh, I remember having a couple of microwave, um, you know, turkeys here and there. Um, like when my mom had to, what was it? I know she, well, she went out of town one year um, to Mexico, I think it was. And I don't know why we didn't go. I just remember my mom went, but while she was away, I remember that's what we had. We had like, you know, a microwave dinner and then some chips and salsa and some guacamole that, you know, my dad made real quick and, um, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of a thing. So it was just it was like he tried his best to get it done <laughs> and it was serviceable. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, but I remember I saw a picture and I wanted it so bad that year and I was hoping mom would make it and then she wasn't there. But it was because uh, it was around like 85, 86 ish and Cool Whip, they created something called a winter wonder log. So that that was something I mean I didn't know what it was called I, I had to google you know like you know, uh, cool whip you know log dessert thing yeah and so I, uh, I found out the name is actually called the winter wonder log and okay. it's kind of like the uh like like one of those you know rolled logs you know but it was made with um pistachio pudding on, and chocolate wafers and then the whole thing was covered in cool whip and oh my grandmother made something similar to that yeah yeah that's,
1: that's cool. Um, yeah, we didn't have the good. chocolate. We didn't have the chocolate pudding. We didn't get that fancy. Um, <laughs> she would, yeah, these, these basically little chocolate wafers, uh-huh. um, and she would just put them on a long sort of uh, on a long plate and sandwich the the Cool Whip or the whipping actual whipped cream sandwich the whipped cream in between them. Okay, and then you cover the whole thing again with whipped cream. And stick it in the fridge to let it set. Right. So it actually, it would set up and almost congeal together. So then you could slice it. Oh, okay. um, After, you know, after it it gotten a bit colder. Right. So you'd sort of have this combination of a soft chocolate cookie with layers of whipped cream. So, yeah, my grandmother made that for Christmas all the time. That sounds amazing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Super easy. Super easy. I'm totally going to try it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's. Uh, You know, it's, you'd see these pictures and, and it's funny because, um, you know, we don't have TV guides anymore, but Mm. back in, even in TV guide, they'd have recipes and stuff like that. And you'd see these pictures and it just, they look so good. Uh, and, but you know, my, we always had what we always had. So of course, you know, I, I, as I mentioned last time, the hot chocolate and the M&M cookies are like our, you know, our big thing. And that's what my mom would make. And, you know, that was like, that's the dessert you're getting. Uh, you know where, uh, but then you'd see these like fancier ones, and you're just like, "Wow, that looks like I want that. That would be a, <laughs> that would be great." And well, we never we never quite got it, but that's okay. I'm not bitter. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not, not at all. all. No.
1: <laughs> One thing I do remember, though, going back to the sort of holiday cocktail parties, uh-huh. walking through the malls and seeing all those little kiosks
0: for Hickory Farms. Yeah, I've still seen some of those (laughs) at at the mall here in in Arlington. They still have uh, the kiosks. It's not all year. It's only like seasonal. Yeah. And like, yeah, it only came up like the week
1: or or the month of December or maybe a little bit earlier. Yeah. And you'd buy the, you know, the box of a couple sausages and cheese and a a row of crackers. I think, yeah. Yeah. And that and they disappeared in January. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think here they uh they stay a little bit longer. I think they, they start in like October. Oh, okay. <laughs> so a little bit earlier. Of course, that's like you know, nowadays, the last couple of years. Uh yeah. back then it probably was was a lot shorter like that. Um but uh I liked that. And in fact, my um my my father-in-law still loves the the hickory farms so oh good yeah so every year we get him something like that <laughs> As, you know uh, along with his regular present we'll throw in like a little a little box of hickory farm sausage uh, the, the summer sausage and <laughs> nice <laughs> he likes that spicy mustard that comes with it um, the one thing that i do remember and i remember this only because of um, of peewee's uh, playhouse christmas special yeah. is fruitcakes and so I know fruit cakes have been around forever, but I, oh, yeah. for, for some reason, I remember them being really popular, especially in the late eighties. They
1: were, especially in the um, Sears and Eaton's catalog. Yeah. Because you, most people would make a fruit cake. Well, companies would make a fruit cake in the summer uh-huh. because you'd have all the candied fruit that have to be going in there. They'd right. have to be sugared and then dehydrated. And by the time that's all done, it's late summer, early fall. So you'd make the fruitcake and then let it um, sit in its juices. (laughs) So you'd either put like a a very cheap alcohol on top and then let the fruitcake sit for two to three months. Wow. And commercial fruitcakes are probably a little bit drier because they don't get a... Uh, sort of a good soaking a good with soak. alcohol, as the gotcha. sort of homemade ones. Uh-huh. So that you you may have a bit of an issue there, but uh, yeah, it's always a good thing. We used to go through the catalog, and you'd see you buy a tin, a little metal tin filled with fruitcake, and of course the you know the nuts would be artfully arranged on top in a circle or something <laughs> like that, and or the Some bag, sort of design. yeah, yeah. Or the either that sort of um mesh stocking of Christmas candy. Oh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it was like super cheap, but because call the candy was basically you know all these knockoffs that nobody
0: really wanted. (laughs) I remember, yes, (laughs) yeah. I remember uh Halloween sometimes there would be those uh those kinds of candies, and you're just like, oh, I got this kind, you know, yeah. Um, one thing we liked when we were
1: kids, uh. Chicken bones? I don't know if you know what those are.
0: I don't recall those. They're basically
1: like a pink stick of sugar, a pink candy, but inside is a chocolate filling, uh-huh. like a soft sort of chocolate filling. Oh. So it's a hard candy with a soft chocolate inside. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, and they, and they were colored pink, and they were called chicken bones. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So those were a big thing for us when we were kids. Wow. That's cool. I mean, it's funny because, uh, you know, being in Canada, uh, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of uh, French influence on, on you know, some of your cuisine and stuff like mm-hmm. that in general that um, we, at least here in Texas, don't have as much. You know, we're, of course, more Spanish and Mexican influenced. Yes. Um, um, so it's it's I love to hear about these differences because it's stuff that I have never experienced ever <laughs> And it sounds great. I'd love, I would have loved to have, you know, a pink candy with a, a nice soft chocolate, you know, center. <laughs> it's kind of like one of those uh, what is it, Tootsie Pops, I suppose. Yeah. Tootsie Pops are all chocolate though, aren't they? Um. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's like the best uh, yeah. analogy I can come up with. <laughs> oh man. Um, it, so, I mean, we've been talking about all these things. There's, there's all sorts of, so like neapolitan moose pies uh parmesan pastry twists i don't know what that is but that sounds good i mean just a lot of these magazines have these fancy things um and, and different recipes that that i kind of want to try i want to go back and and try these i don't know if i will but i <laughs> but there's like a little part of me that wants to try making you know a deep dish chicken pie i mean why not <laughs> that's easy to do come on <laughs> that's all right all right i'll try <laughs> A carrot pudding that sounds interesting. So, yeah, I, I so I went ahead and joined uh, Better Homes and Gardens their their archive just so I can kind of take a look at some of these foods. Okay, and some of these are they're interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. let, yeah, let me let me see if I I'll just name a couple. Um So there's a roast turkey with a veal walnut dressing, veal walnut dressing. I, I don't know. So that's that. Of course, marbled cream pie is pretty standard. Broccoli turnip toss. I don't know what a, what is a toss? Do you know what? Maybe it's a salad? I'm assuming it's like
1: chunks of turnip and pieces of broccoli. That's what it like, sounds, yeah. A, like sauteed together.
0: Yeah, let's see. Yeah, so it's a, you cook the turnips, you cook the broccoli, and then uh, in some boiling salted water, then you drain, uh, you combine with cherry tomato. Oh, so I guess it's a salad. Yeah. Toss, yeah, the turnips and tomatoes, and then you chill it. And, you know, I remember the 80s having a lot of pasta salads, lots of pasta salads, rainbow pasta. Yeah. The rain- pasta. Yep.
1: Yeah. Anything that basically had like a creamy poppy seed dressing or the Italian dressing mm-hmm. and yeah, pasta salads were huge.
0: Yeah. I I, uh, I remember like every, every function there was some sort of pasta salad. Like Because yeah, they're easy to make and they keep well. And they keep. Yeah. So yeah. Makes you sense. can keep it in your fridge for hours. They were never my favorite though. I don't know if they no. just uh I mean cold pasta. I mean I like I like warm pasta. I don't know. <laughs> I always just... found that the flavor profile was too bland for me.
1: Yeah. Because the pasta would sit there and it kind of soak up whatever sauce you put on it. Mm-hmm. And then you wouldn't be able to taste it after by the time you got to eat it. Yeah. So you yeah. either have to use like three times as much, so it's swimming in a in a dressing. <laughs> <laughs> or you have to throw in some other spices or something strong to give it a bit
0: of flavor. I gotcha. Well, I mean, that might be why I don't like it either, because every time I tried it, it just it was it was very off-putting. Uh, yeah. And and I know part of it was just because it was cold. But I mean, also, yeah, you're right. It just it, there was never really any flavor. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One thing that I, I remember, again, uh, those frozen cakes like McCain chocolate yeah were the sarah lee freezer
0: cakes yes those were huge those. i remember that too yeah <laughs> we i don't think we ever uh used them at christmas time but i know we we definitely used them because i remember like going to the frozen food section and like just picking out a cake you know <laughs> yeah my favorite was the chocolate marble from the, mccain
1: yeah that's good so. And of Good course, stuff. I'd eat probably half of it before
0: my brother <laughs> got to it. <laughs> well, randomly, I'll, I'll still go by and pick up like a cheesecake, a frozen cheesecake, and uh, you know, just let it thaw it and eat it. Which I know I could make one. I probably could make one myself, but it's, it's convenient, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's nine p.m. and I just I want some cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you know, it does make me wonder, like, what would you say? Uh, and, and I know the '80s were—it's a big decade. But if you had like one specific memory, like your hap, hap happiest memory of like a Christmas dinner, what would that be? I think the happiest memory
1: would probably be that crazy sort of everyone in the family coming for dinner, even though it was a madhouse. Yeah, is the one I actually remember. Yeah. So all the other sort of '80s Christmas dinners kind of blend together. Mm-hmm. But because there were so many people there and there was so much food, it was the one I actually remember the most.
0: Nice. Yeah. And mine's kind of similar, actually. I remember um, this one particular and I I had to be, um, I think, late 80s because one of my aunts and her son were living in Hawaii at the time and they were coming over. And so they, they came for Christmas and everyone was, you know, like, wow, they were here. And I remember walking into my grandma's house and she used to have those little stockings that are only, you know, a couple inches big. Okay. and She she wrote every, like every grandchild's name on it. And it was all around, like they hung around the, uh, the base of the ceiling you know, nice. right there. And so I just remember walking in and there was the big tree and then all the stockings up on top. And then there was the the turkey and the ham. You could, as soon as you walked in, you could smell it. And I still, every time I walk into my grandma's house, I still like, I, I remember that smell. That's like the one, the the one thing that that for some reason I just can't forget. And, and maybe it's because I love Christmas or maybe it's family or whatever, but yeah. I mean, it's just, I, every time I walk into my grandma's house, that's like, I, I get that feeling again. It's just, it's so good. And, and I, you know, of course she's not with us anymore. Um, but it, it's, it helps me remember. And so I like that.
1: It's funny. Cause I was watching a show um, not about Christmas, but about uh, another topic. And she was saying um, the joy is always there. The joy, like for me, the joy of Christmas is always there throughout the year. Yeah. Happiness ebbs and flows. So you can have happy moments during Christmas. You can have not so happy moments during Christmas, but the joy is always the same.
0: Wow. That's yeah. that's like profound. <laughs> <laughs> no, Getting all a, meta now. Yeah, it's true though. It is. It really is because, you know, I mean, of course, being Christmas podcast hosts, you know, that's Christmas is like our thing. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, there's been Christmases that, that were kind of low and Christmases that were pretty high. But at the same time, it was always Christmas, and there was always that feeling, that warmth, that togetherness. Even mm-hmm. when we weren't together, you know, I always still kind of felt it. So, um, wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> uh, but now we come to to a part of the show that's kind of new, and since there's not really, you know, we're talking food, there's not really anything to to kind of to do. Gag me with a spoon, or even to the max. So in this case, we're gonna do a new segment that I've only done once before called A 2 and D. And so we're going to give our <laughs> we're going to give our top 3 uh Christmas uh favorite, you know, foods that, that we can remember are from the 80s. Um so I'll, I'll go ahead if uh, I'll let you go first if you'd like and you can just uh, kind of tell us what your top 3 are. Okay. So my
1: A would be the spinach dip in a bread bowl. Oh, so good. The- I'm, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry if I stole it, but I nope, nope, that's, that's, <laughs> uh Because that's it's so works. good. And because you can eat the bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> you always feel a little bit like Cookie Monster eating the bowl yeah. after this.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, two would be um, only because it's family related. My grandma's, you brought, since you brought it up, my grandma's sort of cookie, cool whip combination. Nice. So because it's related to family and it's related to my grandmother. And she's turning 80 this year. So or sorry, not 80, 90, 90 oh, wow. this year. So congratulations. Happy great. birthday to her. <laughs> and uh D would be the the man witches, because they're again remind me of childhood. Yeah. And they're easy to make and they make such a mess. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, the sloppier the better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those are good. um uh, so for me, A would be um, Watergate salad, which is something that I didn't bring up. It's uh, oh, a oh,
1: I know it, what that is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's
0: like a pistachio pudding with marshmallows and and like pineapple chunks. And yes. it actually had a, a real name, uh, something like pistachio surprise or something like that. And then, um, at least I don't know if it's true, but legend says that, um, some uh, Chicago newspaper editor uh, called he reprinted the the, the uh, recipe and called it uh, Watergate salad for some reason, and it kind of the name kind of stuck. Not related <laughs> to Nixon at all. Uh, he didn't mention it in the actual. I mean, it's just it. That was the, the title of it. Watergate yeah. salad. It's what he called it. So uh, there's you know, people have guessed why, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know what the real reason is. So Watergate salad is what we called. And I remember that was something that we would only have on like Christmas and Easter. And so it was always it was always real special. So that one, that's like my top um, after that would be. Uh, so two would be m M&M m cookies because uh, nice. that's, you know, my mom, that just reminds me of my mom. And so it's it brings me back to childhood. And uh, D would be the bread bowls. <laughs> See, commonality they're just so good yeah (laughs) you know it's hard especially on like a cold you know because i mean it never got like super cold in the valley but you know when it would get like 50s or even like 40s which is usually like the lowest it would ever get i mean a good hearty bread bowl was always i mean you just can't compare it was good so just an aside did you you ever hear of ambrosia salad
1: I did. I have heard okay. of that. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if that's an 80s thing, but it was something that we did have. It was yeah. marshmallows and fruit cocktail and coconut.
0: Yeah. It was, it was kind of similar <laughs> to the, uh, to the Watergate salad, except yeah. I, yeah, like, like you said, I remember a lot more fruit in there. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was usually like pink. Um, yes.
1: Cause of the, the glassy cherries.
0: Yeah. Yeah, whereas Watergate salad because they used pistachio pudding as a base, it was always like that—that minty green kind of (laughs) color, like a seafoam green or something. I I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we didn't really have that one as much uh, at our families, but Mm -hmm. at our family functions. But you know, the uh, the Watergate we did have, and so that one's always special to me. Awesome. But you know, I do have to ask, GI Joe. They taught us that knowing is half the battle. What would you say is the other half? The other half is being prepared. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Especially (laughs) Especially if you're going to try to make a chocolate basket. Yeah, exactly.
1: Being prepared for Christmas foods because it's a gauntlet.
0: (laughs) It's so funny because uh, you you think about like sitting down and enjoying this great meal and it's amazing. But when you think about all the time you got to put into it, it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's brutal. (laughs)
1: <laughs> hats off to everyone who does it
0: yes uh for real <laughs> and and thank you for sharing uh on your podcast all these great uh you know all the all these this history and stuff about uh you know, about all these foods that i love um for, and and that's a really good one for me you know i gotta say if knowing's half the battle the other half is just putting things in a bowl made of bread <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Glenn, it's been so much fun talking with you. Um, So, you know, tell me about your show. Well, Seasons Eatings, as we've talked about before,
1: uh, talks about the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. And it's not just my favorite Christmas foods. It's foods of all the other listeners as well. So I've gotten some great uh, suggestions for future episodes. So keep listening. (laughs) Right on. And uh, where can they find you? You can find me on your podcast app of choice. Um, I'm on the major, the major, uh, apps out there, Google, Apple, Spotify, um, Deezer, what's all the other ones out there. Um, I'm on Facebook as well. Just search for season's eatings podcast, um, on Instagram under season's eatings pod and on Twitter at season's eat pod. And if you want to give me a shout, just email me at season's eatings podcast at gmail.com. Right on!
0: Uh, what do you got coming up? I'm
1: I'm just curious now. It's actually the beginning of our second season! Yay! Yay! That's right. It's been a, it's been a year. <laughs> I, I can't <laughs> believe a year has gone by so fast. Like, it's really weird. Weird because this has been the weirdest year to begin with. The two 2020. Um, yes. I, it's almost <laughs> like the year didn't exist, and but it did,
0: and at, at the same time. Yeah, I was talking I was just talking about that with someone else. It's like it was like the longest, shortest year where nothing yeah. happened.
1: <laughs> and so I see things happening going, oh, that happened in 2020. I'm like, it did. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I erased 2020 already. <laughs> but uh yeah, so I've I've started researching some great stuff. Um, I just released uh the first episode for season two um about a probiotic culture that most people don't eat anymore called suins. suins it's made yeah. from fermented oats. Mm. Yeah. And I've never
0: heard of that before until I started <laughs> researching either. it. <laughs> Not until so, I saw your post on, uh, on Facebook, uh, I hadn't heard of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. I'm sure it's from Scotland. So a lot of people are probably all the Scots people that are out there are going, yeah, we know about that. We've had it for centuries, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the rest of the world doesn't know about it. Right. So it's great. And I was another thing that I might talk about, um, In a future episode, I haven't started researching it yet, but it seems interesting. In Argentina, there's a thing called a halaka, and it's similar to a tamale. Oh, okay. So they use banana leaves, but they put meat and and, uh, rice and other stuff, and they wrap it up in the banana leaf and then bake it, or I don't know how they... I haven't done research, obviously, but they cook it, and so... It's seem similar to a tamale because that's wrapped in wrapped in sort of sort
0: of a leaf as well, right? Yeah, a uh, corn husk. Yeah, yeah. At least uh, the the Mexican or Tex Mex version of it is.
1: Yeah, so I I think that's one of a Christmas food that I am fascinated about as well. So that may be a future episode.
0: Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I look forward to that. I know yeah. uh, the ones we do, we steam them. That's how we how we cook. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So so normally the uh, the meat is is um, I think they they. Boil the meat first. So it's and, pork and or chicken. So the ones we make are half pork, half beef. Okay. Uh, but although my, I remember my grandma sometimes would make venison ones, and I've oh, made nice. uh, I've made chorizo uh, tamales before, like a, a chipotle chorizo one with roasted corn that was really good. Mm. Um, so that there's yeah we do that. Then we mm. they they assemble the masa and then we we put them all together and you wrap it in the husk and then we we boil them. I mean, okay. boy. Excuse me, we steam, steam them. Yeah, I mix it up. Yeah, we usually uh, we're kind of newfangled, so we use like a steamer. But the uh, traditional way is like a big pot with like a like a, a rock or something in the middle, and then you kind of put it like cones. Oh, know, okay, almost, nice. Almost like you're building a fire, you know? Like, yeah, like that conical. And um, but yeah, that's how we do it. See, so learn something new every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I can't wait. It sounds great. Uh, So thanks again for coming. I had a lot of fun. Thank you very much for having me. I had a great time. And on that note, I'm going to end it by saying tis the season for fun and feasting. So check us out on our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're feeling like putting on a festive holiday feast, leave us a review on iTunes. Not only does it help us reach more people, but you also get a free sticker. Don't forget to check out Seasons Eatings. Later, dudes. Have you ever
1: wondered why we sing and eat figgy pudding during the holidays? How does the butter letter from 11th century Rome create the perfect holiday dessert? Join me, Glenn Warren, on Seasons Eatings as we explore the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. So head on over to SeasonsEatingsPodcast.com to subscribe on your podcast app of choice.